So as part of our healthy series, each week I have someone come up and share you share with you some practical how-tos about health. And so I'm excited to invite Matt Tao up here. I've known Matt for a long time. He and I, we've run together, we've lived together. I live much easily twice as much as this guy. No, I'm just kidding. So clearly he lives far more than I do. But but it's wonderful. He's got a background in athletic training and training for trained with high school teams, college teams, the Vikings, okay, no, not the Vikings, not yet, at least, but soon. Okay, so I'm going to hand off to, to Matt to tell you, tell you a little bit, give you some good hands-on healthy advice. Woo! Well, Church, you guys look beautiful today. I just want to say thank you, Ray, for letting me just share a little bit of my passion, a little bit of my story, and uh, we have a slideshow. Yeah, yeah, we do we have empty slides? So, do you guys know what athletic trainers are? Hands in the air, if you know. Awesome. So that's what I am. That's what I went to school for. Uh, it encompasses a lot of things. Uh, definitely a part of my passion, which is pretty much what we're talking about in the series. Improving uh, your health. So, right there, it's funny because Greg's like, I have worked with Vikings, but I actually had an internship with him. Um, this guy in Bald Head, if we can zoom, I don't know if we can zoom it up, but his name is Eric Sherman. He's a, he had a select trainer for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, right there is one of the athletes who's injured. So this picture pretty much summarizes what we do. Um, when athletes get injured, we actually meet them where they are. So I used to get on a bended knee, not to propose, but <laughs> uh, we meet people. We have that that connection with athletes, people, and we want to meet them where they are so that we can help them get back to where they want to be. So that's why he's eye level with the athletes. If he was standing, it's like you're kind of overarching them. But when you meet people where they are, you can help them progress forward. So that's kind of the key to being an athletic trainer and what we're going to talk about. Um, can we go on to the next slide? So do you, does everyone know what an athletic trainer does? You can shake your head, nod your head. No? no. Do you guys think it's a like personal trainer? You know, guy that lifts weights? No, that's not what we do. So uh, what we do is I'll just read the definition of what it is, which I got from dictionary. Uh, ATs are highly qualified, multi-skilled healthcare professionals who collaborate with physicians to provide preventative services. And that's one thing we're going to talk about. Uh, emergency care, clinical diagnosis, and therapeutic interventions and rehabilitation injuries and medical conditions. So that's a lot to take in. Um, the job description is kind of uh, what says a lot. but So we're going to focus on the preventative side of things. Um, that's why I'm here. And one thing that's cool about, I'm just kind of going free-slowing now, is that Greg and I, we used to train for marathons. I'm pretty sure he had a meniscal injury one time. Yeah. And before I got into my career field, you know, I was just using him as an experiment. But <laughs> I owe it to Greg. But, uh, you know, I remember he was talking about some knee pain, and just we were learning about the knee at that time. And, I learned about some special tests, which is an orthopedic exam to rule out certain injury. And I performed it on Greg, yep. and I suggested, you know, you should probably get picked up. And he had a, can you remind me what the injury was? Yeah, yeah, it ended up being a strain kind of on the, the, the IT band, okay. I think is where it ended up. But, but yeah, it was, it was able to clear up pretty well, and, and he was kind of poking and prodding at my knee. And, and, and he gave me the single best piece of advice I have ever heard about injury. Um, and and because I, I was checking with him, like I don't know, is it? I don't know if I should go back to the doctor. And he asked me one simple question. He said, "Is it getting better or 
worse. And it was getting better, just slowly. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm grateful to MT for that one piece of advice that I've used ever since that issue that we had when we were running together. And Greg pretty much nailed the spot. So for, for me, when I see athletes that get hurt on the field, that's, I mean, one thing I do is I ask a lot of questions. And the reason why we ask questions is to pinpoint the right injury, to pinpoint the rule out certain injuries so that, you know, if it's really bad, I can refer them to someone else. Uh, and the reason why we ask questions, pay attention guys, is to get people right back to, can we go to the last slide? Thank you. So we can get back to moving forward, that we can focus on things that we enjoy. Um, so some takeaways for me from my experience so far is to, uh, for the general audiences, one, you can go in as a preventative measurement for your, like, everyone. Go in every year to get your yearly health uh, checkups. I know all everyone's like, oh, I can't do that, but when you do that, you're helping yourself, like, prolong the longevity of your life and the quality of your life. And people can, you're seeing specialists, so they can kind of help you on that. And then the next one is just remember that it's okay to ask questions if you're not familiar with something. Because we're trying to all, you know, move forward with our lives. And my third advice, which really touches home and hits home for me, is um, the reason why this is part of my passion, my career, and uh, just living a healthy life, helping people prevent like chronic and acute injuries, is because, you know, the Lord calls us to honor our bodies. He calls us to get up, to go. So if you have an injury, you're going to be limited and move forward to do God's work. It's going to be on your mind. But if it's not on your mind, then you can carry on and focus on what God has planned for you. So, All right. thanks, Greg. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, so, so if you run into any sort of injuries, MT here is one of the best here at the church to be able to help you through some of that stuff. So, so I got to admit to you, I am lazy. I am just flat out lazy. I love to sleep in. Um, I kid you not, last week, before my wife and I, before, we stayed in bed till 1 p.m. I know all of you with young kids hate us right now. <laughs> but it's true, man. I love to just stay in bed. Um, back on July 4th, so like we don't go out a whole lot, we're homebodies, but back on July 4th, we're like, oh, you know, should, should we go down like into downtown Minneapolis under the bridge, go up to Coon Rapids, get, see some cool fireworks, and, and we thought, and then we're like, no, the traffic, the mosquitoes, the noise, let's just stay inside. So we did. We didn't go anywhere. Because we knew. I'm like, so like seriously, like I am lazy. I really am. Like if I drop something, have you ever done like I'll go and like pick it up with my toes because I don't want to bend down. Like that's a whole new level. That's that's like lazy 201. Okay? It's true. If, if something has to go down into the basement, I'll like leave it in the kitchen until the next time I go down. Which it will end up sitting there like a week. Um, sometimes, and here it is, here, here's your pastor admitted to you, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, do I have to write another sermon? Can I just play like a Francis Chan video or something <laughs> to just stay in bed for a Sunday? <laughs> but it's true, man. So like, I'm pretty high. I'm pretty high on the laziness scale. And, and I just sort of own up to that. So how about you? Where are you on the laziness scale? So I thought I'd help you out a little bit. I've got a little seven-question test here to see how far you are on the laziness scale. 
Okay, so you can kind of keep track along yourself. So first, have you ever hit the snooze bar more than three times? Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, how about, have you ever left the dishes in the sink for over 24 hours? It eventually becomes, it becomes a game of dish Jenga. They just get stacked higher and higher until it collapses and then you lose it. You have to do the dishes. Okay. Or how about, have you ever kicked something under the fridge because you just didn't want to bend down and pick it up? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> How about this one? You're sitting in one room, you text somebody in another room to get something for you because you don't want to get up to get it yourself. Right. How about this one? Have you ever stayed on a public toilet long enough for the automatic lights to go off? Okay. If that's you and that has actually happened to me, yeah, that's a, that's a sad reality check right there. Okay. Or how about this one? Have you ever canceled plans just to stay in bed? You're like, oh, I've got this appointment at 9.30. No, hey, I can't make it today. Okay. Or lastly, lastly, okay, have you ever bought new underwear because you just didn't want to do laundry? Okay. And, okay. If you nailed that one, then you need professional help. So I think we all got to admit, we've all got some laziness in us. We've all got some laziness in us. And it affects our days, it affects our nights, and it affects our health. And, you know, and God actually talks a lot about laziness in the Bible. And one of the words, so in the older translations, they, they used a word for laziness called sloth. And it, sloth is the cutest of the seven deadly sins. Okay, let's just put that out there. Can we take a moment to just say how cute sloths are? Okay, so here's this guy. Okay. We got an adorable little, this is sort of a baby sloth. We got another one here, a little adorable sloth here. Here's another sloth just hanging out. Like, what an awesome life to just hang out. And then, of course, we can't forget this sloth here. Okay? So sloths are just adorable. Okay, back to Bible stuff. Okay. So, so the, most of the teachings on laziness come out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings. It's, a, it's known as what's called wisdom literature. And, and what happened with all of these teachings about Proverbs in in, uh, it's all about laziness. In Proverbs, Jesus picked up on it, and he talked about laziness. Paul picked up on it, and he talked about laziness. And so it was a theme all throughout Scripture. But today we're going to go back to sort of where the, the majority of the teaching is, and that's in the book of Proverbs. But before we jump into our passage for today, I'm going to give you some good suggestions about how to understand Proverbs. Because Proverbs are a little different than other parts of Scripture. So how do we understand Proverbs? So the, here, here's a few things that can help you read Proverbs really well. So first, fundamentally, Proverbs contrast two things, wisdom and foolishness. Those are words that they use, and, and those are sort of packed words. So in Scripture, wisdom talks about it's the fear of God, it's virtue, integrity. All of that falls into this wisdom. And then there is foolishness. And foolishness are things like selfishness and pride. And so most of Proverbs describes things that fall into one of these two categories. Things are either full of wisdom or they are foolish. So as a result, because of this talk about foolish wisdom and foolishness, and as a result, here's our second principle, that Proverbs describes practical skills 
for living well in God's world. Practical skills for living well in God's world. This isn't a theology book. This is not the, the time, the place to develop theology of God, of people, of sin, of life. This is about the when the rubber meets the road. What does practical wisdom look like? Okay? Third, third is that Proverbs are probabilities. They are not promises. This is really important. So you parents out there, you have probably heard the, heard the proverb, uh, raise a child up in the Lord and uh, when he's old he will not uh, depart from it. Okay? You've heard that one. And then parents do their best raising their kid and their kid walks away from the faith. And they say, Bible's not true because that proverb promised, if I raise the child in the way of the Lord, they won't depart from it. No, that's not how proverbs work. Proverbs are promises. They talk about probabilities. And that's really, really important. Okay? So, and then fourth, related to that, is Proverbs focuses on the general rule, not the exception. Focuses on the general rule, not the exception. There are other books of wisdom literature that talk about the exception. Things like Job or Ecclesiastes. Proverbs does not address... The, the question of suffering. If, if all you read was the book of Proverbs, it would seem like everything is black and white. People who follow God and do good things, everything good and nothing bad ever happens to them. But we look at the book of Job and we learn that's not true. So this book talks about general principles. And it talks about the general rules. It is true. If you generally make loving, selfless, fear of God-oriented decision, chances are pretty good things will go well for you. So it talks about probabilities. The general rule and the general rule, not the exceptions. Books like Job that talk about suffering, or Ecclesiastes that talk about the meaningless of life. There it talks about the exceptions. So if you keep those four principles in mind, you'll do a great job in understanding what God wants to say through the Proverbs. So let's apply some of those and take a look at a set of Proverbs. So this is a, a collection of four verses that we're going to look at today out of the book of Proverbs on laziness. And particularly, there's a word used in here that we don't really use around anymore, but, but the word is sluggard. It's, it's a word for a lazy person. So a sluggard. Uh, my favorite, the New Living Translation, this is my favorite one. The New Living Translation translated as lazy bones. Hey, lazy bones, get out of bed. Versus, hey, sluggard, get out of bed. So think about this. When you see that word sluggard, you can just insert it in your mind, lazy bones. Okay? So here we go. This is Proverbs 26. We're going to look at Proverbs 26. We're going to look at four verses because it's all focused on the sluggard, the lazy bones. And, and what's awesome about this, what, what I love about this passage is it, it kind of exaggerates and it's a little sarcastic, a little snarky. It almost creates a cartoonish picture or portrayal of what a sluggard or a lazy person is like. And through these four verses, we pick up four big picture principles, four characteristics of a lazy person. And the reason I picked this passage is it's very characteristic. All of the teachings across Proverbs are kind of reflected in this passage. 
So it's Proverbs 26. We're going to start at verse 13. So Proverbs 26, you can read along in your own Bible or on your app or up on the screen. Here we go. Starting with 13. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. Okay, anyone else confused by that? Like, what in the world does that mean? Often, and that's okay. That often happens when, when we read scripture because things aren't obvious at first glance. But here there's another verse in Proverbs that replicates this almost this exact same quote about a lion roaming the streets. And in the other one, we get a glimpse of what this one means. Basically what this one is, this is an excuse not to leave the house. Okay, and, and you're not sure, so, so let me act it out for you. Okay. Here's our lion. My dogs are very upset that I stole their toy today. Okay? So yeah, so here's our lion. It also shoots. It's really cool. It also shoots in the air. So, so here we go. Okay. Ah, there's a lion in the streets. Ah, I'm going to stay in my house. and Maybe I'll just watch Netflix today. Okay? That's the idea. So it's this outlandish excuse not to even go outside. So the first thing, the first characteristic, loud and clear, of lazy people are they make excuses. They make excuses. There's not a single lazy moment in any of our lives where we don't come up with a great excuse about why to cancel the class that I enrolled in at the Apple store and stay in bed. That happened two weeks ago. <laughs> Eight o'clock class, nah, I don't want to get up for that. So, so it is. The first characteristic is we make excuses. Next, let's go to the next verse. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on its bed. Okay, what is this? Let me I'll give you another little visual here. Okay, so first, as a door turns on its hinges, here's a door. Okay, door open, door closed. Door open, I don't know, maybe you came here to learn to watch a door open and close. Yeah, okay, you get it? So the door is moving back and forth. The hinges here are moving back and forth. They aren't going anywhere, though. Okay? Like a sluggard in his bed. Oh, man, I don't want to get up this morning. Okay, I have five more minutes. The, the second alarm I set goes off. Oh, no, let's just, let's five more minutes. Oh, five more minutes. See, I'm just like a hinge. I just go back and forth, and I rotate back and forth in bed. It's an incredible image to think about what, a, what lazy life is like. You just roll back and forth in your bed like a hinge. You move a lot, but don't go anywhere just like a door. So that, that leads us to our second characteristic. The second characteristic of laziness and lazy people is they love sleep. Ouch. Okay. Now, just because you love sleep doesn't automatically mean you're lazy, but I haven't known a single lazy person ever who doesn't love sleep, myself included. So, second, they love sleep. Third, let's look at the third metaphor that they picture, or, or that the verse presents. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. How is that? Okay, again, I'll help you out here. Here we go. So I got a dish of popcorn, see? Real popcorn, okay? 
Flip, 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 okay. Yeah, okay, a whole season of scandal coming up. Okay, okay, lazy person, let's get some pop. Uh, I don't even want to lift it up to my mouth, let's see. Uh, uh, I'm too lazy to even put it into my mouth. <laughs> like, imagine how ridiculous that would be. This was good. They tell you never to eat while public speaking. Oh well. But think about that. Now I'm going to need some water. <laughs> but think about that, that. That image of being so lazy you can't even pull your hand out of the bowl you're eating out of. So that, that leads to our third characteristic of laziness. They avoid exertion. They avoid exertion. You just don't want to put out the extra effort because it's tiring or it's hard. And you start just avoiding things that take a lot of work, like me walking down to the basement and walking back up because that's so tiring. Okay? So let's go to the fourth verse. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Another way to translate that Hebrew word discreetly might be answers tastefully or answers with wisdom. And that gives us our fourth characteristic. Lazy people are usually prideful and often a bit delusional about their laziness. I mean, I know, I know some folks who are lazy who don't admit that they are lazy. And their laziness has kind of dumped them into a hole and they don't admit that they're in a hole or they're in a rut, or they're trapped. Often there's this thing, because one of the things that happens when our laziness kind of wins out is that we constantly have to make excuses and we have to defend, we constantly have to defend our laziness, which means our defenses and our rationalizations just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that happens enough and we can get really we can get really prideful. And we can kind of get delusional about ourselves. That no, no, I've got it all under control. It's all good. Where in reality it's not. So that's the fourth, kind of more serious. It's a, it's a bit more serious of a characteristic of laziness. So, what do we do with all of this? We've got four characteristics that we see of laziness, that we see in scripture, and that we see all throughout Proverbs. The lazy person, the lazy bones, makes excuses, loves sleep, avoids things that are tiring, avoids exertion, and then often that can come up result with being prideful and even delusional about themselves and their real state of life. So how many of those do you hit? How many of those seem to kind of rep represent what's going on in your life? Well, with all of this lazy talk, it raises an interesting question. Why is it sin? Sure, maybe it's not great, but really, like, why is it sin? Sins are things like killing people, lying to people, uh, hurting people, things, those are sins. Okay, yeah, I get that, but laziness, really? Why is it a sin? Because fundamentally, <clears throat> excuse me, fundamentally, 
there is something deeper about laziness. There's something much more dangerous, much more insidious about laziness. And that's what makes it a sin. It's because laziness prevents us from living out one of God's core purposes for us. And that's to do good works. One of God's core purposes for every one of his followers is to do good works. We see it literally from cover to cover in the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve the task of caring for this amazing garden. They had to work. But it wasn't exhausting, tiring, it was fulfilling work. In heaven, we will still work. We will serve God. I don't know what work will look like in heaven, but I know it will be joyful, and I know it will be wonderful, and it won't be exhausting. And we're going to have a great boss, so that's good. So Garden of Eden, work. In heaven, in heaven, work. Jesus said in Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous teachings, that, that others should see our good works and praise God for it. Others should see our good works and they should praise God for it. And then in James, Jesus' brother, even James said that faith without works is dead. You prove your faith by what you do. You don't get saved by what you do, but you demonstrate your faith by the good works that you do. But perhaps nobody des described it as well as Paul did. So I want to read you this verse out of Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10, listen to this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that for a second. Think of the implications of that. You were created to do good works. You are God's special creation. You are not an accident. You are not a second-class citizen. You are God's special creation. And long before you were ever born, God planned good works. He planned great works for you to do. These are world-changing, family-building, spouse-loving, gospel-sharing, difference-making works for you and me. And our laziness robs God of the good works he wants from us. And it robs us of the opportunity to make a difference in the world around us. That's why it's a sin. Not because sleep, you go into work late one day, or you don't want to lift your hand from the popcorn bowl. That's not why it's a sin. Laziness is a sin because it robs us of serving our God in one of the core purposes of our life, which is to do good works. To do good works. So, so I, I'm part of a running group. There's a group of us here at, at River Life who are, are running to, to train for a half marathon. 
And about a week ago, yeah, a week ago at our run, one of the guys asked me, so I saw what you posted on Facebook like this week, so why do you run? I, I'd had a terrible run, and I posted up, it was like, kind of a sucky run today, but I made, I had to walk an hour to kind of just couldn't even finish. And so I was a little down on running, which that happens. And he said, so, so why do you run? And, and I told him, honestly, I said, the truth is, I don't like running. That's a weird thing to, to hear from like a four-time marathoner and what, maybe a dozen or so half marathons, but I don't like to run. But running gives me structure. Running and having a training schedule gives me structure. And I like structure because I'm lazy. And structure helps me beat my laziness. Because honestly, if I didn't have that, like, I don't think I'd work out at all. Because <laughs> I'm lazy. I just wouldn't. So this structure helps me beat my laziness. So like my health would be even worse if it weren't for me training for these races year after year, summer after summer. But there's actually even more than that. So yes, my health would be worse, and so this kind of helps me at least try to kind of keep my weight down, but there's something even more. So yesterday, just yesterday, I got a reminder of why it's important for me to beat my laziness. And for me, that means getting out and running. But I got, I got an amazing reminder, and so I asked this person if I could share their message that they sent to me. And so this is someone in our running group, uh, not, a first-time runner, never done anything like this before. And this is what they, they texted me after. Yesterday, we, we ran six miles yesterday, which for, for many of them was the longest they had ever run, which is a pretty cool idea to like run the longest you've ever run. And so this is what she texted me yesterday. Today's run was great. Never thought it was possible for someone like me. I wanted to thank you. I never thought it was possible for someone like me to be able to run six miles. God has good works. God has great works for every one of you. And our laziness robs us of if I played lazy this summer and didn't bother with the running, there are some folks out there who would lose out on accomplishing this pretty amazing thing with good friends, with God's help. God has great things for you to do. He has great things for me to do. That's why we've got to figure out how to beat our laziness. We've got to figure out how to step up, conquer our laziness, and hit up some of the great good works God has for every one of us. Let's pray. God, you've given us this amazing task here on earth to do good works that point people to you. God, you want us to do good works to save families, to save marriages, to build churches, to share your hope and healing with people who do not believe in your hope and your healing. You have great works in store for us. So collectively, we recognize that. And we confess today 
that our laziness can prevent some of those things from happening. Lord, so I confess my own laziness. Lord, and, and, and call to you for help in, in beating, finding ways to beat those, to turn away from that sin. Lord, and to live a life of great works for other people, for families, for cities. But I pray that for all of us here, that we all can look to those great works. Pursue, pursue the hard things in life, the difference-making things in life. We can only do that with you, through you, by you. And we do it for you. So thank you, God. Thank you for the strength you give us that we don't have. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ.